And now for The Best in Mystery. Tonight on Masters of Mystery, an exciting melodrama titled No One Will Ever Know. Sure, we supply bodyguards by the day, a week, or month. It's got to be 24 hours a day. Your best man. And I want him to shoot to kill. John Dowd, your host for Mystery Time, back again to introduce another in ABC Radio's great Monday through Saturday lineup of mystery dramas. Every night at this time, a new and different story. Our drama tonight on Masters of Mystery, presented live from New York, is written by Leonard St. Clair and is titled, No One Will Ever Know. Murder is bad business under any circumstances. But when a man plots to make himself the victim, well... We promise you plenty of suspense as Masters of Mystery brings you No One Will Ever Know. Nobody believes me. They all think it's my imagination. The sick dream of a sick mind. But I know he's out there in the night. I know he's waiting for me. Waiting for the right moment to kill me. Nobody believes it could happen. Because everybody still believes I'm lucky. Lucky Sam Parnell, the man who always wins. Lucky Sam who bought that stock that jumped ten points in two days. Lucky Sam who was on the long shot at yesterday's race. Lucky Sam who owns a piece of that oil well out in Texas. That's the way it was with me. Until last week. It was Monday evening. I'd just gotten home. The maid took my raincoat and I headed for the bar to fix myself a drink. Hello, Sam, darling. How are you? Fine, honey. How about a martini? Love one. Good. There we are. And? Sam, you haven't noticed. Hmm? Notice what? My new dress. Oh. Well, it's fine, fine. It's, um, pretty fancy, isn't it? Well, it's a cocktail dress, darling. I thought I ought to have something new for the boat. And I promise I won't cost you any more until we get to Paris. <laughs> Who's complaining? All right, honey. To the trip. To Paris. Hmm. <sighs> Good. That's delicious. Oh, by the way, did you find the telegram? Telegram? Well, I left it on the bar for you. Oh? Yes, here it is. Practically under your nose. Oh? I wonder who. I called your office in case you wanted me to read the message to you, but you'd already left. What? Oh, oh what's the matter? Uh, nothing, dear, nothing. I, I'm sorry. It was a clumsy thing to do. Oh, darling, there is something wrong. You look sick. No, I'm... I'm all right. There's nothing the matter. Uh... Look, Catherine, can you get a rag and mop up this mess? Why, the maid will do it, dear. Sam, what was in that telegram? Who is it from? Tell me, who is it from? Please, please, honey, you're getting yourself all upset about nothing. Uh, suppose you go tell Lottie to clear up this broken glass, hmm? I'll fix us another round of drinks. As soon as Catherine disappeared toward the kitchen, I reread the telegram. Sorry, old man. Our well is a dry hole. Send 10,000 more to clean up final death. Signed, Harry. 10,000 more. 10,000 I didn't have. Every penny I had poured into that Texas well was borrowed money. Harry ought to know that. This was to be our big plunge. Harry and I were going to crack our first million. Now, lucky Sam Parnell was broke. Bankrupt. After dinner, I locked myself in the study. I had to think to work something out with pencil and paper. But it didn't work out. The stocks and bonds would have to go to pay off the loans. The mortgage would take the house. 
The only asset left would be my life insurance. That $50,000 policy with the double indemnity clause. Yes? Sam, can you come to the phone? Jimmy, he's calling from school. Well, uh, tell him I'm tied up, Kathy, and give him my love. Oh, but darling, he wants to say goodbye to you before we sail. Well, then you can tell him we're not going to Europe. What? I'm turning in our tickets in the morning. Tell Jimmy the old man's got to stay and close a business deal. The biggest deal of my life. I, don't argue with I me, don't... Catherine, and don't wait up for me. I'll be working most of the night. I'll see you in the morning. The biggest business deal of my life. It would be that, all right. And my last deal. I sat up most of the night trying to work it out. The idea was okay, but I was going to need help. Expert help. The next morning, I dropped by to see Max. His office was in the back of a particular drugstore on 43rd Street. Hello, Mr. Parnell. It was a pretty good long shot running in the 8th this afternoon. As if you didn't know. That isn't why I came by, Max. Oh? Max, there's a man who's in trouble. He's looking for somebody who'll do anything for a price. Sounds like he's in big trouble. He is. In a few days, he'll be broke. That's big enough. It occurred to me, Max, that you might have some friends, some connections. Uh, no friends. Connections, maybe. Somebody you can trust. Somebody who won't talk. What's the job? To kill a man. What? Now, look, Mr. Parnell. Max, you're doing business with the mobs all the time. You must know somebody. Now, if it's done right, there won't be any risk. And there's $5,000 in it. Suppose we, uh... Level with each other, Mr. Parnell. Now, this uh, friend of yours, you, isn't it? Yes. Okay. Now, who do you want taken care of? Me. You sound like you mean it. I don't. Max, I'll be completely wiped out within a month. I don't want my wife and my boy to know I'm failure. I don't want them out in the streets. I want them to hold on to what they've got now. I'm too old to start all over again. My luck's run out, Max. Alive, I'm worth nothing, not even to myself. Dead, at least my family will get by. Life insurance. Yes. Double indemnity. But the company won't pay off for suicide. So, uh, it has to look like an accident. Hmm? Oh, Mr. Pine. Max, there's no other way. I'm afraid to fake it myself. I'll pay $5,000. All right. Maybe I can get a boy for you, but... Well, with this kind of deal, you'll have to be paid in advance. I'll bring the money this afternoon. Okay. Max? Yeah. How do you think you'll do it? Better if you don't know, isn't it? You might get too anxious. Yeah, maybe too helpful. Well, you'll make it so no one will ever know. Not even you. Max, I went directly to the steamship office and got a refund on our round-trip tickets to Europe. $1,400. I needed every penny I could get hold of to make the 5000 for Max. But I got it. And that afternoon, I gave it to him in cash. All I had to do now was wait. Tuesday passed. And Wednesday. Thursday. 
Every morning when I left for the office, I kissed Catherine goodbye for what might be the last time. Every night when I came home to her, I dreaded the thought of leaving again in the morning. The strain began to get unbearable. Let's get this over with, Max. Let's end it before I go mad. And Friday. Friday afternoon. Hello. Sam. Oh, yes, dear. Yes, would you please? Well, wait a minute until I open it. Here's what it says. New well came in this morning. Looks like thousand barrels per day. What? Congratulations, oil baron. And it's signed Harry. Oh, Sam, how wonderful. Yes, Catherine, how wonderful, how unbelievable. You've worked for him for years. You must know where he's gone. I, I don't know. Right after the last time you were here, he came out and gave me two weeks' wages. And that's a present for you, Charles, he said. I'm going on a vacation, maybe two or three months. Well, look, some of his friends must know where he is. Tell me where I can find them. I never paid any mind to his friends, Mr. Parnell. The only reason I know your name is because you told me once. It's too late. I'm too late. Max didn't tell me who was going to do it or when or where. He said no one would ever know. Not even me. Darling, you're home early. Catherine, how soon can you pack your bags? Why, I... I'm calling the airline right now to see if we can get tonight's plane for London. Oh, but that's impossible. Well, I'll need at least a week to close up the house there. The service... All right, then I'm leaving tonight by myself. You can join me later. What? But I, but I don't want to. Sam, there's something wrong with you. Your sight is dead. That's a good comparison. Sam, give me that phone. Now, now what's happened? Sam, tell me. So I told her. The whole story. Right from Harry's first telegram and my idea about the life insurance. Catherine's face went as white as mine. Her eyes stared at me with a dazed, unbelieving expression. How could you have thought of such a thing? Without you, this house and your money would mean nothing. You don't understand, Catherine. Look, pack your bags. Any hour, any minute, Max is liable to go through with his part of the deal. Darling. Please get started, Catherine. I'll phone the airline. No, let me do it. You're, you're much too upset. All right. I'll start cleaning up my desk. Now, if the London plane is sold out, get a seat on a plane going somewhere else. Anywhere. Hello? This is Mrs. Farnell, Dr. Mead. Please come right over. Sam is terribly sick. Catherine, give me that. Are you out of your mind? No, dear, I'm not. But I'm afraid you are. <laughs> She didn't believe me. She thought I was cracking up. I grabbed the phone and called the airline myself. The best I could do was tomorrow's plane, 14 hours away. 14 hours I had to gamble on staying alive. Sam, Dr. Mead was called away on an emergency, but he sent Dr. Ives to see you. I don't want to see him. But, Sam, you must see him. There's nothing the matter with me, I tell you. You've got to believe me, Doctor. That's why Max left town, don't you see? So he won't be connected with my death. But the guy he hired is waiting for me. It'll be any time, anywhere. I 
I won't take a sedative. Keep away from me. Catherine, don't let him use that needle. Catherine! Catherine! Right here, Sam. What time is it? It's ten o'clock. Would you like some breakfast? Breakfast? Ten in the morning? Catherine, get my clothes to play in. It took off an hour ago, darling. I canceled our reservations. You canceled our reservations? Sam, now listen to me. You're going to be all right. Dr. Ives says this happens to a lot of men when they overwork. He says all you need is to rest. And forget about business. Dr. Ives, he knows all about everything, doesn't he? Except when I'm going to be killed. And how? And where? As soon as my wife left the room, I jumped out of bed and dressed. I slipped down the back stairs, and before Catherine and the servant spotted me, I had my car out of the garage. drove to the nearest precinct station. As I pulled up to the curb, I couldn't help noticing the yellow coupe that passed me and parked further up the street. I thought I saw the driver stare at me, but I wasn't sure. I couldn't afford to take any chances, so I got back into the car and drove on. Besides, I'd have been a fool to go to the police. If anything did happen to me, the police would notify the insurance company and Catherine would get nothing. I drove aimlessly around town. Then I happened to look in the rearview mirror. There he was, the man in the yellow coat. I tried to lose him in traffic. Across town and back. Still he hung on. I swung into a parking lot and jumped out. I ran into the nearest building. I had to lose him. I had to. Just as I stepped into the elevator, my eyes suddenly focused on the office directory. Ryan Detective Agency. Investigations, property, and personal protection. Room 1402. Whatever you wish, Mr. Parnell. We supply bodyguards by the day, week, or as long as you want. It's got to be 24 hours a day. Your best man, and I want him to shoot to kill. Well, that all depends. If the circumstances warrant... Mr. Ryan, somewhere outside this office, in the hallway, or in the elevator, or on the street, a man I don't even know is waiting to kill me. for the first 12-hour shift. We left the office together and picked up my car. As we drove back to the house, I watched for the yellow coupe. Yes, there it was, keeping about a half a block behind us. When we pulled into our driveway, the coupe kept on going and then turned to the next corner. I sprinted for the front door and planted. Sam, is that you? Oh, darling, you gave me such a fright when you sneaked off this morning. Well, what are you doing? What are you looking out of the window for? I'm waiting for him to turn around and drive past again. Who? Sam, you can't keep on like this. You're ill, don't you realize? Sure, it? sure, sure. This is all my imagination. Catherine, tell the cook to fix dinner for one extra. Harrison will be eating with us. He's my bodyguard. Bodyguard? He's putting the car in the garage. He'll be along in a minute. Well, I want you to get rid of him. There's absolutely no danger. Tell him to go. Is that what you want? Why? Maybe you want me to be killed. Who oh, said? That's my insurance looks pretty good to you after all. And all the money that'll be coming into that oil well. Stop it. I can't take any more. I can't. I'm sorry, Catherine. 
I guess I am sick. With fear. But everything's going to be all right, honey. I've told the detective agency to track down Max. We'll get word to him that the deal is off. Yes, dear. Max will call off his boy and I'll be safe. Then I won't need the bodyguard. That makes sense, doesn't it? I suppose so. Sure it does. We'll see Europe yet, Catherine. You and I... What's that? What's that? It was only a car. Backfiring. This is too much. Too much for any human being to stand for long. For how long? How long will it take to find Max? A day? Two? Three? A week? What will happen in the meantime? We played cards all evening. Catherine Harrison and I. But my mind was on another game. A game for my life. Eleven o'clock. Catherine kissed me goodnight and we came up to our rooms. She's probably asleep by now. And Harrison, the bodyguard, is stationed outside my door in the big easy chair, reading from the stack of magazines. Or is he asleep, too? He mustn't be, because my life depends on him. But I've got to sleep. I must rest and sleep. I can't go on this way with no sleep. Midnight. Still sleep won't come. This maddening waiting, waiting for what? When? Perhaps if I wait a while. Yes, I'll close the window. Sit up and wait a while. Wait a minute, that sound. It's a radio. His radio in the yellow coupe. There in front of the house, it's him out there waiting for me, waiting to kill me. He's not waiting, he's getting out of his car. Harrison! Harrison, wake up! He's coming for me! He's coming to the front door! Harrison! You will get me. Not that easy, because all you'll find is Harrison sound asleep outside my door, because I'm going out this window now! Now, if I can make it to the garage without being seen... Too. All right, Max. I'll make your friend sweat for his five thousand. I'm going to treat him out of it, Max, because he won't get me. Do you hear? I won't let him. I won't let him, Max. It's my life, and I'm still lucky, Sam. Do you hear? I'm going to win because I'm still lucky. <laughs> the crash. I ran out as quick as I could. The ambulance is on the way, Mrs. Barnell, but I'm afraid that... I told you. Dr. Ives told you he was a sick man. That's why I hired you, Mr. Miller, to keep him from doing something foolish. And you drove him to this. I followed my order, ma'am. I never let him out of my sight. 
When I saw him go to the bedroom window from where I was parked outside in my coop, I figured he was going to jump. That, that's when I rang your doorbell. And he thought you were someone who was going to... Oh, Mr. Miller, could Sam have been right? Could there have been someone? Like Max? Maybe, Mrs. Parnell, but if I was a cheap bookie and your husband gave me $5,000 to kill him, I'd just take the money and blow town. Why go through with a risky deal when you've already got the dough? No, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> like you said, ma'am, your husband was pretty sick. How sick? I guess nobody will ever know. <laughs> <laughs> 